Welcome to Menopause Reimagined. I'm your host, Andrea Donsky. I'm a nutritionist in menopause, menopause educator, and avid menopause researcher. I'm also the co-founder of wearemorphous.com, a company that helps you take control of your health and symptoms. Today, I'm speaking with Dr. Fiona Lovely. She's a women's health expert with specialties in functional medicine, functional neurology, and restorative endocrinology. Her practice focus is to find the root cause of disease reaching all aspects of health and making space for wellness. Now, here's Dr. Lovely. Welcome to our podcast, Fiona. Thank you for having me, Andrea. It's a pleasure. I'm excited to have you because I was on your podcast and you're on my podcast. And I just, I love this friendship that we've developed and we became fast friends because we have a lot in common. And we're going to give a big shout out to Lise Walton, who is one of our community members who introduced me to Fiona Lovely, Dr. Fiona Lovely. And um, we're so grateful, Lise, that you did. And we gave you a big shout out also on Fiona's podcast. So when that comes out, you'll get to hear that as well. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lise. All right. So Fiona, can you tell us what got you interested in women's health and perimenopause and menopause and why you became a chiropractor? Let's start there. Okay. How much time do we have? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I, I'm a Leo. Let's start with I'm a Leo so I could talk about myself all day. So you cut me off, okay? <laughs> um, actually, I'd always wanted to be a chiropractor from a very young age. Um, my family attended a chiropractor from, I think about the age of 10 was when I first um, went to see the chiropractor. And I was quite fascinated by her. I thought she was just the neatest lady ever. And, um, you know, when I was kind of going into my early, so it, you know, you have to go take an undergrad before you have to apply for chiropractic college. So while I was doing all of that. I had watched Dr. Christian Northrup on the Oprah Winfrey show. And uh, you probably remember that era, right? I really do. And her yeah, books yeah. and everything. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Women's Bodies, Women's Wisdom, which is yeah. her first book was so influential for me as a young woman. I grew up in a, in a family. My mom was, is very much a feminist, but very conservative around body things. Mm -hmm. We didn't talk about money. We didn't talk about sex. And we certainly didn't talk about anything related to a woman's body because that would have been considered unladylike. So I had to learn on the schoolyard, uh, in the schoolyard, I had to learn from Dr. Northrup on Oprah. I had to learn by talking to my friends and that sort of thing, which I think is true for a lot of women in our uh, our age group, for sure. But uh, something about watching Dr. Northrup taught me... um, that I had an internal guidance system. And so I really started to pay attention to that. And I had some incidents of a specialist and my GP gaslighting me over some of the symptoms I had. Mm. And this was when I was in my early 20s. And so I was very interested in women's health from the beginning because I wanted to know what was going on with my body. So I got to chiropractic college and, you know, as chiropractors, we get this incredibly holistic education. We're not, I mean, we, people know us as spine pain doctors, but the truth is we have to learn all the systems of the body, all the physiology, all the biochemistry, all the neurochemistry, uh, all of these kinds of things so that we have a holistic understanding of the body. And when I was in school, I took additional classes in what we know now as functional medicine, but it was so long ago back then it was called restorative endocrinology. And for my own interest, I never had any interest in, in, you know, doing this for anybody else. I just wanted to know more about my own body. And when I was in my first, it was probably the second month of practice. Okay. So I am 
so wet behind the ears. And I had a woman come in as a patient for spine pain and she was having symptoms of perimenopause and she was somewhere in her forties and she had a toddler uh, close by and I gave her some of the information I knew just from my own studies and my education. And, and she said, please tell me more. And so we would sit, I had lots of time back then. (laughs) We would sit and I would share what I knew. Yeah. Right. (laughs) What was that like? I forget. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) so I would share what I knew and, and she said, please tell me more. And eventually Mm -hmm. she just said, "Uh, why doesn't my doctor know this? Why isn't this common information for women? And Mm -hmm never leave me kind of thing. And she said, please keep talking, keep talking and sharing. And so really the women pulled me in long before I was in my own perimenopause, the women pulled me in. Hmm. Which I love because it really gave you the direction of where you needed to go. Right. So it's, it's your community or your patients in your case, asking you to kind of take you here. I know that you love to talk about the brain. We, you know, I've heard you say many times how the brain is super sexy, super sexy. So let's talk about it today because it is such an important part of perimenopause and menopause. And like we discussed on your podcast, you know, we know out of the top 10 most common symptoms of perimenopause and menopause, five of them are cognitive related, which is pretty incredible. So, you know, go right in, like start, tell us what, you know, what you've discovered through your practice and how brain health is so imperative as we go into this phase of life. Yeah. So, I mean, who ever thought that part of the conversation around menopause would be about the brain and brain health. But uh, Andrea, can you give us those five top symptoms that are, uh, that are uh, related to brain, brain fog, memory issues. Absolutely. So, so I'll, I'll tell you the top, um, the top 10, and then you can take it from there. So number one is exhaustion. This is according to our Morpheus research. For those of you who have not filled out our research, please do. It's on our website, the top of our nav bar under research five surveys right there. So please, number one is exhaustion with 71%, brain fog, sleep issues, memory memory lapse or forgetfulness, anxiety, joint pain, lack of concentration, lack of focus, hot flashes, and low libido. Yeah. Okay. So we're talking by far, most of those things are related to brain and brain metabolism. And what we understand now, thanks to Lisa Moscone's work uh, and research is that the brain changes its metabolic state because of the egress of the hormones or the um, the slow fade of the hormones, estrogen being the big one for the brain. And there is a cerebral hyperperfusion that happens, meaning that we have less blood flow, then we have potentially blood sugar issues, which can, all of these things sort of come to bear at, uh, at, at the menopause transition. So perimenopause and the menopause transition, I will use interchangeably. They mean presumably, or the 10-ish years before a woman actually stops her period. So when that metabolic changes happen, we can, in the brain, we can start because of the hormonal egress, we can start to notice that we are not as sharp as we used to be. We may feel uh, dulled or unresponsive almost like we, we know there's a word there and I should be able to say it, but sometimes it comes out and sometimes it doesn't. Fatigue certainly uh, is another one, memory issues, loss of concentration, loss of focus. So the brain, talking about the brain is a really important aspect in having a, a holistic conversation about what happens to us during the menopause transition. And part of it is that we have um, 
we have these uh, groups of, of organs and glands that work together. For example, the HPA or the hypothalamus pituitary adrenal axis, which you can also add the ovaries to it, just depending on what, you know, what you're looking at. So the HPA or HPO or HPAO axis. And these organs, glands, all talk to one another. They all have feedback loops. And so the brain, of course, is the master controller. That's the hypothalamus. But there's a lot of reasons why a woman may have changes to the axis, which causes a bit of dysregulation. So, and maybe it's coming from the ovaries. We start to run out of eggs. Um, and this is how it works. We think we know why menopause happens. We think it has to do with the, uh, we are born with a finite number of eggs. Once we run out of those eggs, there's no more to go. Usually happens around 50. I think 51 is the average age. So there's a lot of changes that, uh, that can happen to a woman's brain. And, you know, we're, we're, we're focused on hormones a lot of the time without understanding really why a woman's brain can change at midlife. Those two things have to go hand in hand. Hmm. You know, it surprised me too, when I saw that and realized like, so, but it makes sense because 50% physical, physical, 50% brain related, right? So it just shows us how important that we need to take care, take care of our brain health. And it, you know, whether it's nutrition, lifestyle, supplements, hormones, whatever it is that you choose to do in order to take care of it and keep it in optimal shape. So I know you, you use the term and I'm going to read it because I want to make sure I get it right. Psycho neuro immunoendocrinology. Can you explain what that is? And I know you wanted to talk a little bit about that today because you felt that it's an important topic that we, that we cover. Yeah. So first I want to say, we talk about the brain, but there's also the mind. So when I talk about psychology, which is the first thing you mentioned there, that is the mind, not the brain. So think of it like software and hardware. Brain is the hardware, mind is the software. That's our personality, et cetera, okay? We'll come back to that. Our conditioning, our uh, connections to the world, our families, our stories, all of that. <clears throat> so psycho, psychology, uh, immuno, uh, immunology, uh, and, and I can't remember which order we put them in. They can sort of be interchangeable. Neurology, mm -hmm. endocrinology, those things together uh, make up something called the PINE system. And the PINE system, which uh, is well-documented in the research, is how a woman experiences her body based on what's happening with her psychology. So... When we're having a conversation about menopause, it's really important for us to understand that where we fit in in the world, where we show up with our, um, as I said, the conditioning, the programming that we get as little girls mm -hmm. about what it means to be a good girl, what it means to be healthy, what it means to be polite, what it means to be a good worker or a good mother or a good auntie or all of those things show up and the psychology plays effect on the immune system, the endocrine system, and the neurology. And that's what that is in reference to. I know that you talk a lot about women showing up in this time of life and really becoming into who they are. Can you go into a little bit about, you know, how you feel 
menopause and perimenopause impacts us as we are aging, as we are going into this third act of life and how, why it's so important that we consider all of that. Yeah. The, the, the biggest thing is that we drop, we drop the people pleasing behavior. Mm. Okay. Cause that's what we're taught. We're taught to be good little girls. So, and we have hormones that through our teens, twenties, thirties, and forties that encourage us to couple and care for others. And when those hormones start to egress and you start to get more fatigued, can I swear on your podcast? Oh, yes. (laughs) Yes, you can. Go ahead. (laughs) So as the hormones decline and fatigue increases, we run out of fucks to give. Mm. That's literally what happens. We lose the programming easily. Now, some women have um, personal reality that is, or personality that is so connected to caring for others that some will continue that behavior. And that's a choice and that's fine. You do you, right? But for a lot of us, we are so sick and tired of taking care of everybody else before ourselves that we're happy to put that baggage down. Now, it happens at a time where our children generally are old enough to take care of themselves. So the wheels aren't going to completely come off the bus if mom says, sorry, but I'm going to bed at 7 p.m. Everybody sort out their own dinner, right? Mm -hmm. So that's really what I'm talking about when I say that women, we come into our own. At the same time, there's this... um, when when we drop the beliefs and the behaviors around who we thought we were supposed to be at this part of our lives, we are free to do whatever we want to do. That's a beautiful thing. You know, what's interesting to me and as I go into perimenopause and menopause and I, I you know, until I got to this point, I was a very big people pleaser. I definitely, i I love to help people. And I think many of us in the health field are, we love to help people. We want to do go above and beyond. And I'm right in there too. And I feel like as I go into this phase of life and now I'm in menopause, I feel like I'm definitely much more, here's what I want. Here's what I don't want. And my boundaries are better. So if I'm doing it, it's because I want to be doing it. But I also know it's like, if you're going to push me too much, I'm going to like push back. Right. So there's some great examples of how I've really you know, and I'm talking even business-wise, like in the past where I would bend over backwards to do certain things. And, you know, when it came to finances and money and all these things, and I'm like, now I'm like, you know what? No, I'm really good at what I do. You don't want it. No problem. There's someone else. Like, so we can kind of, I feel like it's a, a sense of confidence that comes in as well. Like you're saying like, there's no more fucks to give. It's, it's the boundaries. It's the confidence. It's the coming into our own. It's the mindset. It's so many things that are happening at once. I really love it. I really love that I could say no to people that I, you know, if, if they're, when I want to say no on my terms, right? Like saying no or, or putting down those boundaries and whether it's work or home or whatever it is, friendships or family, whatever it is, I feel like you're so spot on and I feel like it's very empowering. Well, and I think something really to remember is that it's not because women, we love to to criticize and shame ourselves for all kinds of reasons, right? Again, that is a learned behavior. 
Um, I'm hoping that as that will learn it's a, it, there will no longer be that learning that will work its way out of our society. We're no longer teaching little girls and little boys to do that. But what you have to remember, uh, first of all, is when you recognize that people pleasing behavior in yourself, don't give yourself a hard time about it. You have hormones that make you compliant so that you will reproduce not about you babe biology yes it is biology so when you see that like you talk about needing to know the why i'm the same way i want to know why don't just tell me what to do i want to know why it got screwed up in the first place or why there's a a concern here and how we can correct that because i think it gives you better options but but regardless when you see this for yourself and you go oh god that's me i've taken care of everybody else we lose that desire that's part of the reason our libido goes lower as well for some women. Mm-hmm. Um, but we can look at it and say, okay, now I understand that the estrogen and progesterone cascades were there to help me reproduce. Cause ultimately that's what human beings job is reproduction. Right. Mm-hmm. I chose not to reproduce. So I don't have kids of my own. I have fur babies and nieces that I adore, but um that is ultimately biologically how we're set up. So it's good to know that because then there's no like, oh God, how come I did that? And all this judgment and criticism self, forget that. Mm. You, it's easier to drop that too at menopause, I find. I like that. And I'm always saying, you know, let's be gentle with ourselves and show ourselves self-love. And I think that's, thank you. I think that's such a great point that you're bringing up. One of the things I also know as women, we tend to not be able to take compliments as well. Or, uh, you know, sometimes I find that, you know, men are really good at, you know, kind of taking it all in. And for us, we're like, we deflect, right? We're like, oh, you look beautiful today. And you're like, oh, whatever. Or I love what you're wearing. Oh, I got it for cheap or whatever it is. And I'm going to share something that one of my best friend's mother, she's a judge, she's a federal judge. And she taught us when we were kind of early on in our twenties. And she was like, if anyone ever compliments you, you say, thank you. That is so nice of you to say. So she gave a script of things for us to actually talk about, actually say and accept it in. Right. So I find that as again, we're going into this phase of life, it's really, it's, it's coming into our own, it's accepting things, it's loving who we are or who we are, who we are becoming or what, you know, who we always were. Right. But maybe we lost ourselves in our family and our work or whatever it was that um, was going on in our life. We didn't lose ourselves. We took a detour for procreation. <laughs> and now we're coming back, right? That's how we do it. We look at it. I love that. I love that what your friend's mom said, because it's true. We are not taught how to receive. Yeah. And here's the thing. Think about biology again. A woman's body is literally designed for reception. Mm. Okay. So when you get that, And you compare it to what you believe is true about what a woman, um, because here's the thing, women in our generation were taught to be great little men. We not only have the full-time job of everything that goes on at home, rearing the children and cleaning the house and making the dinners and doing the shopping and paying the bills and all that stuff. Most of us have a career, but we didn't share this portion at home so much. Now, Thankfully, there's enough uh, evolved women that are raising wonderfully evolved men and they 
pick it up naturally. So it's a shared experience all the way through. And I know my brother is like that. My father was like that. My husband is like that. So there's enough of us that have given that up and we're okay. You know, mine always is always saying to me, go do the thing you need to do. You need to share this information, get out there. I'll take care of whatever needs to be done inside the house. So, but we, we didn't, we took on two jobs and we're great little men and we're forgot that our job is actually to literally be the empress and sit back and receive. Hmm. And that pleasure is a woman's birthright. We have twice the number of nerve endings in our clitoris than a man has in the head of his penis. Now, these are all very heteronormative, so please excuse me if that does not apply to you. Um, I, I know only what I know from my own personal experience here, but we forget that we are receptacles, we receive, and we've got twice the information coming in from our genitalia to our brain for pleasure, because this is where pleasure happens, yeah. okay? So something else that I think is really interesting, we have twice the amount of, of uh, nerve endings that the men do in, um, in, in the genitalia. But this told me a lot uh, when I was learning about how a woman's brain is different than a man's brain. And it's not just, you know, neurochemistry and neurohormones, but structures are different. And the way they function is different. When a man has an orgasm, the whole brain lights up. Right. Can you imagine the guy that was in the scanner that had to tell he had to do no, his thing? <laughs> right. Where when a woman has an orgasm, her brain goes completely silent. Hmm. Interesting. That is pleasure to a woman. Silence. Hmm. Fascinating, isn't it? That is so fascinating. And I do think it's time for our props when you're talking about vaginas and pleasure. So the reason why I'm, I'm like, this is a perfect time to bring it in. So if you're listening on our podcast, I'm going to try to explain it visually as much as I can. But if you can watch us on YouTube, I highly recommend just going over for this part because it's kind of funny. So when I did Fiona's podcast, uh, which will be up in July or August, we started, you know, for those of you who know me, you know, I love my props for my TV segments. So I have a vagina prop, which I'm showing now on the screen. And Fiona showed me a prop that her, one of her patients made her. So I'm going to let you talk about that because it is so beautiful and she has a name for it and there's a clitoris on it. So you have to, it's kind of funny. So go ahead, Fiona. <laughs> yeah. So uh, a beloved patient crocheted this for me recently and uh, her name is Pearl. And of course she represents the external and somewhat internal feminine uh, female genitalia. And there's an appropriate way to greet Pearl right here. Use This is the handshake. You say hello, Pearl. So she's touching the clitoris on this crocheted vagina. Like it's, and it's actually very beautiful. Like it's so it beautiful. So gorgeous the way she did it. It's really so when we were, we had a really good laugh before. So I wanted to men mention it on uh, our podcast because I thought it was really funny and really it just, you know what it is too? laughing, having fun, right? It's just to me is, um, is all important. It's all an important part of it. Absolutely. So talking about laughing, because laughing is important for managing our stress levels and stimulating the parasympathetic part of our nervous system. I know that um, you love to talk about stress management. So why don't we dive into that next? Yes, absolutely. So I think it's a really important conversation to have at perimenopause because we get so 
wound into what the belief system is in our society and in ourselves about what happens to us at this age. And a woman can feel like her relevance is disappearing. Um, we can feel like our place in society. I mean, the truth is we can look at TV and we don't see nearly as many women in our age group and older than we do men, for example. Um, so, uh, you know, very famously here in Canada, I always think of the TV anchors, like you get these 80 year old guys that are the TV anchors and they're considered the, you know, the, the, the absolute pillars of strength and and wisdom right and so much so that they get the pleasure and privilege of delivering the news nationally but of course recently we had lisa laflamme fired from her job not long after she long time long time um journalist here in canada um not long after she went left, gray. Allowed her, yeah mm -hmm. allowed her hair to go gray which she's gorgeous oh, by the way gorgeous. yeah and I think she's close to our age, by the way. I think she's somewhere in her early mid to mid 50s. But anyways, that's, um, that's a pretty good example of what happens. We just don't see ourselves. We don't see representations of ourselves on TV. So who knows? If I'm not a mother anymore, then what am I? Who am I? Right? And so the on top of that, we have the sandwich generation of, like I said, raising kids, the experience of our work out of the home most of the time, some of the time. And a lot of us have aging parents or infirm parents that we're also caregiving for. Yeah. At the same time that we're experiencing the uh, cluster of <laughs> perimenopause symptoms, right? Yeah. So again, you get that people pleasing behavior, like, okay, am I gonna drop into what I know? Or am I going to take care of myself first and then manage the things going on around me? And that can be a very difficult transition for women. And uh, really, ultimately, it comes down to stress. And it's a funny thing to talk about because we essentially grew up with it. We, we have a pretty good understanding of what stress means, so much so that we just don't even listen to it anymore. We're just like, oh, yeah, I got stress. Okay, yeah, right. Big deal right? Okay, Dr. Lovely gave, tell me I've got stress. But the truth is, there's real nuggets in there. There's really things that can make a huge difference in a woman's experience of midlife and the menopause transition. If we learn how to handle and manage stress, stress is not going away. Stress comes in many different forms. It's not just, you know, the psychological stress, uh, whether it's money or family or job but we also have nutritional stressors that's a big one a lot of times we've got deficiencies at this at this point in our lives that we have to pay attention to um, sometimes it's toxic exposures um, mold is a big one we see a lot of that yeah um, lime is another one we're seeing more and more of that so there's a lot of things to play to fact that play that play that factor into this sort of picture and um when we're talking about stress is not going away, but how we respond to it, that we can control. And so that's one of my favorite things to teach my patients and my podcast listeners about 
is how to manage how you respond to a stressful situation. There's a great TED talk on how to respond to stress. And I don't remember the name of it, but I'm going to put it in the show notes below. And there's also a mantra that you could say. So when you're feeling stress to kind of tell your body in terms of putting it more of like a positive, so it doesn't have a negative impact on us. So what are some of the stress management tips that you recommend that women in perimenopause and menopause can incorporate into their daily life? Yeah, thanks for asking. This is a big topic. So here we go. The important thing to remember is part of the reason we experience stress like we do is because of past experience. And we've had potentially some uh, concern or experience in recent history or way long time ago that puts us into the mindset of this is not safe. Mm-hmm. And so we have to train our first of all we have to acknowledge that that's what we're actually feeling you know are you actually feeling a certain experience in the moment are you actually unsafe or are you just having a reaction based on the circumstance trauma response yes that's right so this is all based on the polyvagal theory if your your listeners can tune in uh there's many many resources across all the platforms around the polyvagal theory and the polyvagal practices, which I'll teach you some here, um, is that once you recognize that it's it's not true what you're telling yourself about whether you're safe, you can start to rewire a different experience. And um, a safe experience is a restful experience. And so if we're talking from a nervous system point of view, this is the autonomic nervous system. This is controlled... I I should say this is signaled to the body via the vagus nerve, which I know you've had an expert on to talk about that. Yes. So please tune into that episode so you can get the, the, the mechanics of that, but using the vagus nerve basically allows us to get out of thinking because that's what we do. We overthink. That's what we were taught to do. And we're damn good at it because women can multitask. I don't care what the research says. Women can, men cannot it's boobies or it's beer. Women, we can do it all. <laughs> not so much though. In I have to say, I'm not as good as mul- I was amazing at multitasking before I've gotten to menopause. Not so good at it anymore. So I wonder <laughs> if it changes. Yeah. So I mean, I know we're not meant to multitask, but definitely, I have. I cannot do it now that I'm in menopause. But continue. Yeah. Yes, of course, of course. So, and that's because women can access a whole lot more stuff in their brain um, at once. Yeah. Um, the, the mentor I have in functional neurology taught me that women have far superior brains and it has to do with the accessibility, how much of the brain we're actually accessing at one time. Mm. So to go back to stress management. So this is autonomic nervous system. We have flight or fight or flight response, or we have rest and digest response. Sympathetic is the fight or flight. That's the gas pedal. That's the stress response. That's the cortisol response. That's the adrenal response. Whereas parasympathetic is the brake pedal, the take a deep breath pedal, Mm -hmm. the close your eyes and, and fall asleep pedal. That's the digestion. That's the gut health. That's the gastric motility, all of that. Okay. This is part of the reason why women are chronically constipated is because we don't have enough um, tone balance between those two parts of the autonomic nervous system is that we get into that fear response, that fight or flight response. And we, part of it is addictive. We get that addictive jolt from the cortisol and part of it is 
we just get used to it. So we get stuck there. And it's that overthinking. So here's how you know, first, if you're overthinking, you're already in the fear response, okay? But if your mind is quiet, then chances are you're in parasympathetic. Hmm. So the most basic way to look at how to calm the nervous system is really to think of it in terms of getting into the body or what we call embodiment. And the easiest way to do that is just to move your body. So you can do it so many different ways. And for me, like I can literally do a stress, a stress jiggle, right? Like pretty much anywhere, anytime you can do that, right? You can shake a leg, you could wave your arms, you can do some jumping jacks that literally pulls you like, out of that. Yes. Out of that overthinking, right? Yeah, I call it kind of the stress jiggle. Present. I like that. Can you show us like for those of you who are watching? Oh, on no, the you don't, I do not have the bra on for that okay. today. Oh. <laughs> Sports bra. I'm right, I'll do it. I have to be like, so we're just basically Literally. for those of you who listen, you're just shaking. You're just yes, shaking you're your just shoulders, shaking. your arms, your legs. You're kind of just shaking. Yep. And when I show my patients this, and I do show them in the Love office, that. I literally say, shake your boobies, shake your booty. Like just mm. shake it all out. And you don't have to do it for very long. And if you try it, mm. it feels really good. Yeah. Another thing that works if you have the ability to be in a quiet space is if you lay face down, you could do it on your bed, you could do it on your yoga mat. I do it as part of my stretching routine at night. Um, face down on the yoga mat, uh, you know, kind of your, your head resting on your arms, or you can put a pillow there or whatever's comfortable. And just rock your hips back and forth slowly. You'll have your own pace and just let that unfold. When you first start doing it, it feels kind of odd. What is this crazy lady talking about? And then you get into the rhythm of it. And it's so soothing. It's like, it's like waves on the sea. It's so lovely. It's a lovely, soothing, soothing thing. Something else you can do um, is just a gentle stroke and touch of the, of your hands and arms. And for those that are not uh, watching this on video, I'm just just touching my hands and forearms, almost as if I was putting lotion on my hands. Um, and this has a name, it's called Havening. Mm -hmm. So you can look up how to do this. It's a very soothing. Yeah. And if you, good. yes, it does, it feels lovely. And we're so, and we're so fatigued and we're so over everything that when you pause and for the experience of touching your own skin, it's incredibly pleasurable. Hmm. Well, there's so, so many nerve endings on our skin. And it's also, by the way, making us present. Yes. And that's another really important part of recognizing where you are in the stress cascade. If you are not right here in this moment, feeling the gravity holding you to the chair and your feet on the floor, you are in a fear response, you are overthinking. And that's by far what we do. And so this whole cascade gives, um, gives us a cortisol response. And that will cause you to have more significant menopausal symptoms, some of them anyways. So this is a re very relevant conversation for women in the transition. And I love this, by the way, because these are easy things to do that are free. So, yes. you know, when we, when we often say, or I speak a lot as you do you about managing stress levels. And I know for a lot of us are like, oh yeah, okay. Easier said than done, but it doesn't have to be this 
really big thing. It could be a, as little as just, you know, shaking your body, putting on the right bra, just so you're shaking your body, <laughs> just shaking your body. Or if you're doing it by yourself, touching your hands, like everything you said is like, these are easy things that we could do going for a walk in nature, deep breathing, even if it's just breathing in and out. Right. So all of that can help and be so helpful for us. And it's so crucial because it helps to nourish our adrenal glands, which take over for our ovaries as we go into this phase of life. So really it is so crucial ladies, just to even, even if it's just like a few minutes a day, set a timer on your phone. If you if, just to remind ourselves, cause we get so busy, right? Like myself included, like we're, we, we're on the go, we're running, we're doing. So sometimes we forget. So setting a yes. timer on your phone twice a day, three times a day, just to be like, okay, I'm going to just do a little jiggle or I'm going to just touch myself or whatever it is, like touch my arms. It can really be helpful. Yeah. And you know, um, it's not that we forget, it's that we were never taught. Mm. We were taught to be productive humans mm. and we're damn good at it. Mm -hmm. And our health suffers at midlife. And this is how you break that cycle. It seems so trivial and silly to shake your boobies and think that you're going to feel better, but try it. There's, um, I love it. for Beyonce. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. I was going to say, like, let's think about dance, right? How people love dance. Yes. How it's so, like, it's kind of all tied in. And so there's something called somatic therapy. And, you know, you could even Google it on YouTube. There's this amazing woman I listened to on Google on um, YouTube. Her name is Sandra Rolus, R-O-L-U-S. So you could Google her. She's a somatic therapist. She's got some incredible meditations. You can listen to sound bowls. That is fabulous. You've got the sound, the vibration, and the frequency that really helps to kind of push you into that parasympathetic part of your nervous system as well. So there's so many options that you could do, again, yes, that don't cost money. No, absolutely. But get into your body. So I love the idea of the meditation apps, the, 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 uh, the sound therapy, so good. The sound bath, so good, but get into your body first. Cause that breaks that overturning overthinking of what's happening here in the mind. Right. And we have done that to death as, as, as women, we've done it to death. Mm -hmm. Right really good at it but in order to have health you really need to have that embodiment experience and there's you discharge you discharge trauma when you do that so let me be clear there's a lot of us that I recognize that have had the big t trauma and if any of these practices do not feel safe for you please don't do them unless you're with somebody who is a trained health mental health professional uh, because you do, we our bodies, our physical bodies carry this. And the other thing is, we know now that we've got the ancestral trauma of at least seven generations back. The spiritual traditions talk about it being more like 30 generations back. Wow. Okay. So you think about how women were treated in those times. We're carrying that in our DNA. And depending on what things we experience in our outer world, it may trigger that DNA being expressed and you're going, why am I feeling like I'm nervous in a train station? I mean, first of all, who rides the train? I suppose if you live in Toronto, you do, but like who rides the train? And then you're like, well, maybe this is, I mean, if you had that experience, Andrea, where you're like, what am I feeling? Like, this doesn't make any sense. 
and then you kind of acknowledge somewhere that that's a really old response coming from God knows where being triggered. What is triggering you? And, you know, things that come up, you're like, wait a minute, or whether it's in a relationship and you mentioned big trauma and, and thank you for saying that for, for, for women, but also even little T also makes it. So whether it's big T or small T, because we all respond differently to trauma. And that's why, so I do a lot of TikToks with my mother, who's a therapist. She's a master of social work and a therapist for more than 33 years. And we talk a lot about, uh, you know, relationships and she's a trauma specialist. She actually worked with Holocaust survivors her entire life. That's what her career was. So I really try to, you know, bring as much as we can of her content to my TikTok page and to what we're doing on Instagram, because I really feel that at this part of our life, speaking to someone or journaling or doing something that helps us really to dig deep and to help work out some of that, you know, that trauma and, and to do the therapy that we need or however it is that helps you is so important. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we have such wonderful uh, mental health specialists, social workers, and psychologists that know how to handle this. Wow. So if you're feeling unsafe with any of this, um, or anything in your life, please engage the help of someone who can guide you through it because you shouldn't have to do it yourself. And I, I think it's important to just acknowledge that we have, um, probably the best way to say it is that we have ancestral baggage that is there, right? I can hear, I can hear the women in the community right now being, for God's sake, something else to worry about now? Like, this is the thing. But I think that we as Generation X, so first thing to acknowledge there is that we're essentially the first generation that's had to deal with the kids still at home, parents unwell, we're in perimenopause, we're likely going to live another 40 to 50% of our lives after we stop menstruating, which wasn't really a thing even 100 years ago, Yeah. right? We're one of the first generations to go through menopause and expect to live for decades after we've had our last menstrual period what we're what we're sorting out now is how to do that mm. in a way that's healthy mm. and looking at the trauma piece is really important looking at the hormonal balance maybe hrt is for you looking at those nutritional deficiencies looking at where your nervous system is right looking at all those things so so important for the for the overview, essentially, of what a woman experiences uh, at midlife and beyond. Well said. Is there anything that you would like to cover or talk about before we end the interview? You know, you said earlier about being gentle with yourself. And I see this one a lot in, in my patient population is, is the self-judgment and self-criticism we have for even things that really aren't that significant. And all of those things are micro traumas. Those are the little T traumas that happen every day and we do it to ourselves part of because it's partially because that's what we were taught to do, right? So start to see if you are engaging in that kind of conversation with yourself and just start to be more gentle with yourself, boo, because really there's there's no reason. That's just an old programming that was somebody in your past that told, taught you you should do that. And it's not healthy for us. And um, so I'll say that. And the next thing I'd like to say is one of the best things that women can do at this transition for, for your own health, mental and physical health, is to take 
25% of what you do on a daily basis off the table and do not fill it with other tasks. 25% off and get into your creative nature because this is what women do. This is what our biology is. It's creation. We make things. Go make something that makes you happy. I love that. Well, that's a beautiful way to end the podcast. Thank you so much. Can you tell us how people can find you? Talk about your podcast and uh, any other information you'd like to share. Certainly. Thank you. Uh, the podcast is called Not Your Mother's Menopause. Uh, it's available on the, on all the platforms. Uh, you can find me and the podcast on my website, which is drlovely.com. And I am also on Facebook at Not Your Mother's Menopause Podcast. And on TikTok and Instagram at Dr. Fiona Lovely. Love it. Thank you so much for doing the podcast today. Thank you for inviting me. It's been a pleasure to chat with you. I hope you enjoyed my interview with Dr. Fiona Lovely. If you did, please share it because the more you share shows you care. And please leave a review. I love reading all the reviews. And when you leave a review, it lets other people know how great our podcast is. Thank you for listening. And as always, I'll see you at the next interview. 